When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I am Brian Rob from MassLive.com. He is Jay King from The Athletic, and this is Still Potable Live. And this podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, the exclusive wagering partner of CLNS Media Network. Video version of this podcast can be found at CLNS YouTube channel. Please subscribe on there so you can catch us here when we go live on Sundays. And you can check us where, Jay, Monday through Friday every week. Patreon.com slash still potable. We have a couple different plans where you can either get three podcasts a week or five podcasts a week including the free one on Sundays. So we're building something cool. Hopefully every Celtics fan will sign up, subscribe, become a member. We have a a chat, an exclusive chat, Celtics chat that gets fired up during games, which is awesome. It's, it's starting to get more and more that it's becoming just an all day thing, which I love. And uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a great place to be again. Check that out. Patreon.com slash still potable. If you want to check us out, Monday through Fridays, and like Jay said, the you get the podcast, but you stay for the chat, the community we're building there, the the, the commentary from this whole group uh, within this community has been phenomenal, and so you definitely want to be a part of that. But we're here on recording this on a Sunday morning after uh, shellacking from the Celtics on the Rockets last night. But guess what? Big story of the night: Jason Tatum. He but his night was pretty much going to be over anyway, Jay, which makes the ejection probably the most entertaining part of it. But uh, he, he got his money's worth from this one, it seemed like, getting tossed with, what, I think two minutes into the fourth quarter there after a Celtics uh, 35-point win over Ime Odoka and the Rockets. Yeah, it was it was kind of a, a great ejection from the standpoint of he knew he wasn't going to be playing much longer. He knew the game was over. He knew his ejection wasn't going to matter. And he just wanted to say his piece. <laughs> I think he, he clearly felt like he got fouled on the dunk attempt. He, he felt like he got fouled on an earlier drive. And as he said later, like he, he just wanted to stand up for himself. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to let it go. Sometimes you just got to gotta be fired up. I, I don't think this was anything for anybody to worry about um, on either end. Like the, re- the ref handled it fine. I thought Tatum actually deserved this ejection, whereas the first ejection he had this season, not really. Uh, but he wanted that one. He didn't care. And uh, – Celtics, they have a lot of techs this year. They're a big technical foul team. They do. Um, like you, I think you pointed out, like Porzingis is up near the top of the league 
and with Tatum and who else was was Jalen Brown? J- Jalen's up the there too. He's he's in. They're both tied for I think eighth. At but least they were when I checked yesterday. I think the the good news about most of those texts outside of the of the Tatum ejection against the Sixers was that none of them have been super costly texts. I feel like by and large, yeah. like obviously that was a bad ejection by Tatum there. This time, this was you if you want to drop a perfect ejection like a good time to blow off some steam like this was it last night like tatum had put together a phenomenal night he probably didn't even need me in the game in the fourth quarter to start Do you think he just anyway. wanted to go hang out with 50 cent i mean we'll get to that like there was there were some big names fried waiting for him back there i, I would i wouldn't be shocked if he's like yeah let me just go hang out with 50 tonight he did hang out with 50 a bit after the game i think there that was documented uh ice cube there as well in the building they were um posing for some photos after the game um that Tatum posted on his Instagram, but yeah, it was, I mean, it was a situation where if you're going to do it, if you want to blow off some steam, if you think you're and the, the way he did it with the officials made sure that like, yeah, this is, you weren't going to, he got his money's worth this time around. He wasn't fooling around. He was kind of making a point out of it, but guess what? It's like, you can, you're going to be able to do that on one or two out of 82 games this year. And if in a 30 point blow in the fourth quarter, that's probably the time to do it. Do you think the Celtics, complain too much do you think they're picking up too many technical fouls this season i honestly i i don't it feels like they're complaining less as a whole there's no grant williams right that's such a good point (laughs) grant williams is gone and automatically your referee complaining ratio goes down like 75 percent it is. It's just the, and maybe that's why their relationships feel better because you don't have the like for us because Grant wasn't teched up much, but you just just the constant, you know, badgering officials from it was was just nonstop here. So so I mean, Porzingis so I, is like I brought that up to uh, I I talked to Steve Javi recently for a story on the Athletic, and yeah. I brought up Grant Williams <laughs> and how much he talked, and it, it, I wasn't ever gonna put it in the story. I'm like, man, he never stopped talking. And he actually said he was like, but Grant had a really good relationship with guys. And yeah. he, he brought up how it was like Sam Cassell when Sam Cassell was playing. Obviously, Sam's now a Celtics assistant coach, but he said Sam would never stop talking. But Sam would do it in a funny way. He would do it in a respectable way that you didn't mind Sam Cassell talking. But he never shut up to the refs, apparently, in his day either. That's hilarious. I yeah. mean... But it's a situation now where, because it's even if you look at the team and like who's complaining on the team, it's like pretty much three guys like Porzingis, Jalen, and Jason. Porzingis, it feels like he's kind of cooled off after that, you know, record breaking start for a tech <laughs> he place. He was picking him up every night, <laughs> just, just left and right. And then, yeah, like Jalen and Jason, like, I don't know, like it feels like when they've kind of gone off, it's been deserving. Like they, after some pretty egregious misses. So I feel like it's not, maybe it's just not as much of a storyline this year because they're winning in spite of it, but it just doesn't feel like, you know, beyond just the the grant presence, which is adding on to it, that it's like, you know, becoming a, a point of emphasis or something that's even taking away from what they're doing on a night in, night out basis at this point. Do you, what do you like, what are you seeing on that front? Yeah, I, I don't have an issue with any of it. And I think part of it is kind of what Joe Missoula has said, which is, you want a team that's feisty. You want a team that that gets angry sometimes. You want a team that has those emotions. And honestly, 
with with Jalen and Jason, like they used to be not not timid, of course, because they they have always been super competitive, but they used to be very reserved. And and so to me, like when Jalen blocks Jabari Smith and is screaming and yelling and like that, that's all good to me. Like bring up the level of your teammates, bring up the intensity of everyone around you. That's that's becoming a better leader. And I'm not saying that getting technical fouls is becoming a better leader, but that level of feistiness from your best players is good. And then the other part of it is other than those three guys, no one even says a word to the refs. Drew Holiday says nothing. Derek White says nothing. Al Horford says nothing. Like nobody else on the entire roster is even saying a word to the officials. So yeah, I, I I don't have a problem with with the technicals at all. They haven't come in situations really where they've been costly to the Celtics. It hasn't felt like Tatum has been complaining and not getting back on defense. That's the stuff that bothers you, and and they haven't really had that. So yeah, I'm. They've had a lot of technical fouls, but I, I don't think this is an issue. I don't think it's something that that people should be concerned about or anything like that. Yeah, I agree with that. It's um, I did find it pretty hilarious last night. Um, there were Joe Mazzulla had to use his challenge in the second quarter on a out of bounds call, which he was just completely disgusted. Yeah, he uh, that it got wrong, and then almost immediately after that, Jay, another terrible out of bounds call that Al Horford like just lost his shit again. And the Celtics obviously didn't challenge that one because they wanted to have a challenge for the rest of the night and. It was somewhat competitive of a game at that point, but like you said, like that, those were the exceptions to the rule. It's like they're when they're getting miffed like that, it's because it's something as egregious as those missed calls were last night. But beyond that, like there are a lot of angels on, on this team when it comes to officials outside of those uh, those three. And I don't know, like Joe. Joe's gotten his money's worth in a couple of times, but generally, I feel like he um, stays out of the fray there. Yeah, he doesn't. I mean, he's he's constantly having a communication with the officials like any coach does yeah but he's not he's not ripping them apart on a on a regular basis at least visibly maybe maybe he does it in classic <laughs> it's just right. it would be classic joe to just like mutter under his breath some super hateful stuff i feel like which would be funny but no he doesn't pick up text he doesn't doesn't do a lot of that stuff he just subliminally tells them to go fuck themselves with a piece of with a a reference to a town scene. That's all. Well, the NFL season is wrapping up, but there is still time to get on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's pretty good math, right? That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. Find bets in the new Explore tab. Make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. The best way to find popular parlays and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, 
Iowa, Michigan, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text hope NY in New York. All right. So let's move on here from last night. The, what we thought was going to be the main storyline of the night, Ime Adoka's return to Boston with the Rockets. Um, clearly had a, a lot to say before the game. Um, I thought it was interesting after the game, he really didn't even stick around on the court to greet guys, even though I'm sure he was doing that plenty after the game. Um, just got a little hug from Peyton Pritchard and then just walked off the floor there. Um, but anything that stuck out to you, Jay, in terms of his comments, um, either before or after that game, and honestly, too, like what some of the Celtics players kind of said about the situation. I, th- I was not surprised, but it's telling that it was kind of a non-story at this point. And, and it's telling because it shows how comfortable everyone is with Joe Mazzulla. It shows that the wound, which was open for parts of last year, is no longer that. And the the players, they still have a lot of respect for Ime Udoka. Jason Tatum has said time after time like how much he loves Ime, how good a relationship they have. None of the players have, have made any secret of the fact that they have a lot of respect for Udoka and how he turned them around. But they're in good hands now, too. And, and if... if if Joe hadn't established himself and if Joe hadn't proven himself to those guys, then I feel like Eme coming back and coaching against the Celtics would have been a bigger story. But but they believe in Joe and they believe in how Joe is teaching them. They they believe in the changes that Joe has made to the culture in his second season in charge, which is really the first time he's been able to put his stamp on everything. He's changed the way the coaching staff works he's changed the way practices go he's changed the the daily schedule of how guys work out he's he's put his own imprint on things in a way that he was never able to do last season because of all the circumstances around him taking over and i just feel like they're comfortable with joe they're they like joe they respect joe a lot too and they'll always have you know appreciation for udoka and the way he took a team that that really was was bad for his first half season in charge turned them into a a finals participant and and really set them on their way they'll always appreciate that but now now they're comfortable with joe everything is just kind of back where it should be from a standpoint of team dynamics where they're not yearning for Ime anymore they're they're really you know happy with with the way things are going right now under missoula yeah, I think you laid it out perfectly there. It's just, it seemed, I mean, it's only been 
like a year and a half where they officially part ways them, but it, it feels like much longer than that at this point, just based on a where they are as a team. Like if if they were struggling and or if Joe was, you know, they just was their strength of Joe system, like that'd be one thing, but like that's clearly not the case. It's the, the exact opposite where everything is rolling and there's honestly been bigger changes in between, like like Marcus Smart's gone, like they've traded made Grant Williams is gone. They made all these moves, you know, this past summer that kind of supersedes now, it seems like Ime's departure. So it's clear that both sides are moved on. It it seems I think it's easier for the players to let go too, because they see Ime has landed on his feet. Like he's got his new job. Like this is for as tough as it was for how things ended up here. Like it's not like this didn't end Ime's career. So, and a lot of those guys wanted him to get a second chance. And so he's gotten it and he's doing well with it so far. So from that standpoint, it seemed like there were no, the, the tone from the players was much less like frustrated. Um, like it was at, when initially this stuff came out last year. And now it's more just like, yep you know, we're good. He's good. Like, let's, let's move on. Yeah. And it was such a shock last year and it was even a shock. Like, when was it November that E-May was, was ready to take a job with the right? net? It was four weeks after he got suspended, five weeks after he got suspended, whatever. It was so soon. And I think the Celtics players at that time, some of them were thinking if we suspended him <laughs> for a year, <laughs> Why is he able to just go coach another team? And why specifically is he able to go coach another team that's our rival? And obviously, Ime didn't end up getting the Nets job. He, for whatever reason, that fell apart after it seemed to be extremely close. And and that the emotions were kind of able to be pushed aside. But it, it was all just so fresh last year. And, and like you said, now they're rolling. Joe Mazzula has really figured out how to incorporate Kristaps Porzingis, how to incorporate Drew Holiday, how to make changes to everything so that they're they're in a great place, as good a place as any team in the NBA right now. So the uh, it's funny how much Joe wanted to change, and you know he wanted to change it during his first season, but he really couldn't. And then now you're seeing him run the team the way he wants to. And I remember the Kristaps Porzingis press conference, which was – when was that? June, early yeah, June. July, or earlier in June, June. Yeah, um, that was really Joe's first time talking to the media after the season, and and I remember him saying, "Yeah, we need to change the culture. We we wanted to just get back to the finals. It was we were searching for that one thing rather than just being process oriented." I was like. He did not want to be finals-oriented at all last year, but Ime was finals-oriented. Ime was the one saying, we need to do this, 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 and that better because we lost to the Warriors, and that showed our weaknesses. It was all based on the finals. From the time they ended the finals, Ime set the tone. We are going to learn from this. We're going to keep this with us, yada, yada, yada. And Joe, that's not how Joe works, and I think it probably bothered him that that – players were thinking like that that the team was thinking like that that they and he thought they skipped steps because of it and he's probably right um and and there's no one way to do it but but it was clear from that press conference that he was ready to make changes and that he was ready to to really mold the team the way he wanted to do it from the start but because of circumstances because of how quick he needed to take the job because of how much respect guys had for Udoka 
he just couldn't make the changes because people wouldn't have bought it. Like the players, they they believed in what they did under Eme. They trusted what they did under Eme. If a new coach came in and told them we're going to do things very differently, they would not have been happy about that. So he was kind of constrained in that first season, and now now you're seeing him flourish really with with his own vision and and doing things on a day to day basis, just the way that he wants. Yeah, I think that's a really good point from a like just the balancing act that Missoula had to do in that role when he was again trying to to put his you know kind of keep things together with the limited prep time he had and while knowing that a lot of these players were like thinking that EMA should have probably been there in the first place, didn't understand why a full you know year suspension was justified, which obviously turned into a firing straight up. But now with that, you know luggage gone if you will like with just joe being able to you know spread his wings a little bit and with the the benefit of perspective and time and um the the ability to prepare and figure out what he wants to do and what they what this team needs to do with the personnel they have now it's like you, you don't have to deal with that part of it and and that stuff clearly weighed on that team last year to varying degrees and now it's been i think just a a breath of fresh air around the organization just to not have, you know, this, that situation, the email situation just seems like fully in the rear view mirror, you know, rear view mirror now. And now with him coming and going last night, now they can say, okay, we, that's even out of the way now too. Yeah. It was almost a non-story and it, w- right. it wasn't a total non-story, but it was not anything emotional for the players. It didn't seem like, didn't seem like it was emotional for really anyone, anyone on that roster. And so, that's where you want it if you're the Celtics. You don't want guys thinking about Ime Odoka. You don't want guys thinking about what could have been. You want guys happy with the way things are. And, and that's how it seems to be. Get started on your resolutions with Factor so you're ready for the new year. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door with over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan plus veggie, and more. Plus, over 55 weekly add-ons, you'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kickstart your New Year resolutions. Factor is amazing because you do not have to go to the grocery store. You do not have to do any of that meal planning, something I'm terrible at. They just have the meals ready for you, delivered to you at your door, and you no longer have to just spend so much money on takeout. Factor is cheaper than takeout and much better tasting food. So if you just want that occasional meal or if you want to plan your entire week, you can go to Factor factormeals.com slash winning50 and use code winning50 to get 50% off. That's code winning50 at factormeals.com slash winning50 to get 50% off. It's an absolute steal. That is factormeals.com slash winning50 with promo code winning50 and you get 50% off. Jay, we did have a basketball game last night. We might want to get, we have to get to that at this point. Uh, It was a competitive game for but like for a quarter, a quarter and a half, yeah, quarter <laughs> and a half. Um, but I don't know. I mean, to me, the story of the night, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown's shot making was uh, pretty incredible there. And clearly they led the way for a team that shot 
51% from three-point range against one of the best three-point defenses in the NBA period. But Houston was coming off the back-to-back. They were down a couple bodies, and they clearly couldn't do anything to stop just like the, the level of shot making that those guys were doing and setting up for their teammates. Yeah, and when those guys make shots, honestly, what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to Because you have to try to take away the drive. They're both very tall, very athletic. They can create separation basically whenever they want. The step back three Jalen Brown hit, What? how are you supposed to defend that? I, I'm not sure you can without fouling. Like there's, there's, if he's going to make that, you just got to tip your cap. And, and that's kind of the, the hidden secret of the last couple of years is that those guys really haven't shot three pointers that well. But, but when they do, and we've seen Tatum get hot over this last stretch of games, a couple of weeks maybe, then that turns them into just uh, an absolute force. And I actually thought the first half of last night's game, Celtics didn't really play great basketball. They just hit a ton of shots. And they ended up going into halftime with an 11-point lead. Tatum was fantastic. Jalen was super efficient. And and then the defense came around to start the third quarter. They started blocking everything. Christoph Porzingis, who allowed Alperun Shingun to have a, a big first half, started really impacting his shots at the rim, turning him away. And and the Celtics from that point on were able to just create a ton of separation. But it was a shot making at first that got them that lead. Hundred percent. Like the Rockets, I thought they were flat out like frisky in those first like eighteen minutes. Like especially coming off the back back, like Sangoon was doing all sorts of crafty moves down low. Like he's whatever twenty one. He looks like he's got like a thirty two year old's game. It's really fun to watch. But he was giving Porzingis problems, and they were you know. They were playing hard out there. But like you said, I think the the Celtics shot making, once it got going, I think it was, became demoralizing because it's like, all right, what what can we do in this spot? And then once that train got rolling, the fatigue probably caught up with the Rockets coming off back to back in Detroit. And then um, things escalated very quickly there to the point where it was you know, quick. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, it was aggressive. And I mean, everyone got in that. Like Porzingis was hitting threes. Derek White kind of broke out of his J.J. Redick funk. And another big night, Peyton Pritchard, 19 points off the bench, um, got going too there. So it's uh, it when when all those pieces are rolling against this offense right now, there's 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 little answers. And I think that's we've we've talked about a lot, Jay, just how good this offense has been without you know stellar three point shooting from from Brown and Tatum and at or least Porzingis really, yeah, right. Porzingis is still, I mean, he's still at like 32 percent right now in the season, yeah. which is like wild. But now it's now it's a fact where it's like Tatum is coming around that front. Brown's efficiency has been phenomenal for most of the last month. And it's like, look out, especially at TD Garden. And and there there was a lot, there has been a lot of uh, dissatisfaction at the level, at the amount of pull-up threes that Jason Tatum takes, uh, which I, I kind of understand because of the the percentages that he's shot them on, not just this year, but last year too, it's been close to 30% on those attempts. Like just, just really not a super efficient shot. But to me, that's the shot that opens up the game for everything else. And teams have to respect that shot. And they have to know that Tatum can pull up in transition. He can pull up coming over a screen. He can pull up uh, in an ISO situation. And so you have to respect that. And so he takes enough 
that guys need to guard him no matter what. And he, you know he's capable of it. And when he goes on flurries where he hits three of those in a row or three of those in four minutes, then they're going to create separation. And it, it was eye-opening to me because before the Milwaukee game, which was an utter disaster, <laughs> total disaster from the start, Sellers got just absolutely drilled to the point that Joe Mazzulla had to take out the starters. But before that game, Adrian Griffin was talking about the challenge of guarding the Celtics. And he said, it's kind of like the Warriors. Like, you you know, you know the run is coming. You know they're going to hit a bunch of threes in a row. You just have to be able to to get through that. And it kind of opened up my eyes that that he brought up the Warriors comparison because that's the the most dominant team of the last decade. That's the team that put the fear of God into you because you're you could be in a close game, you could be doing everything right, and then all of a sudden Steph hits a three, Clay hits a three, Steph hits another one, and you're like, man, we're down eleven. <laughs> Where'd that come from? And the Celtics, because of how many threes they can shoot and because of how many threes they take when they do hit some in a row, they can really put a run on you. So that was I was surprised he brought up the Warriors when describing the Celtics. But but when you think about it, the the firepower they have, especially when Tatum and Brown are hitting, they can really just hit you with with a run that just kind of takes you takes you back. Yeah, up to right now, they're number one in the NBA in three-point shooting rank, 47% of their attempts, Jay, from three. And that three-point percentage is up to eighth in the NBA now, 37.8% last night. And that's still with a couple of their high-volume guys, whether it's Porzingis shooting below average on the year. So that that's a scary number for your opponents, to your point. And to Adrian Griffin's point, it's just like, okay, the shooting is coming from everywhere, and... We don't have good answers anyway. Like last night, they I feel like they tried to do a lot of doubling of Tatum early. Um, and then he just kept making the right reads. And then once they kind of went away from that or he just got his shots anyway, um, his efficiency and Brown's efficiency, it's just like one of those guys, it's like they're going to make tough shots, but if they're making like all their shots on top of it, then it's just like, forget it here. What uh, any, what else stood out to you about just the, the game itself and just the, I guess the runaway part of the, the second and third quarter last night uh the when the celtics defense is really going the, the rim protection is just crazy like chris Stapps is in there turning guys away jalen had two just crazy crazy blocks on jabari smith including the one where he pinned his shot off the glass the other one where he just stood him up in the post and like They've got guards who can block a shot. They've got wings who can block a shot. They've got Kristaps who can block anybody. It's like every single person in their starting five can can protect the rim in their own ways. And so I think when they really get going, it's that rim protection is just overwhelming because it's not just coming from one guy, from two guys. It's coming from the entire roster. And that that's that's kind of what stands out to me. And the, the other piece was Peyton Pritchard's alley oop off the glass. <laughs> that was poetic justice. And I, I'm not saying that he did it because Ime Udoka was on the other side. I, that that is not what I'm saying. However, <laughs> it was hilarious <laughs> that he did it against Ime Udoka because 
you can remember that game in Portland, was that two years ago? It must yeah, have two been years ago. ago. It was it was yep. May's only right. season. <laughs> Pritchard was playing in front of his hometown. He wasn't playing many minutes at that time and got in the last six, seven minutes of a blowout win and just totally took the game over. And it, it got to the point where I think Dennis Schroeder was like laying down on the sideline, like making making a total scene out of it. They kept feeding Pritchard. He scored like 16, 17, 18 points in the last five or six minutes of that game. And the Celtics were loving it. <laughs> and it was into the final minute and they were up 30, however many. And they just kept feeding Pritchard. It got to the point where Eme in this post-game press conference just said, you know, I, I, I didn't think we were respecting the game. I talked to Chauncey about it afterward. Yada yada yada. So he didn't love that Peyton Pritchard was was going wild in garbage time. Well, he called Pritchard, him off at one point too, right? Like he like he didn't let him take a shot when the shot clock. Well, was still on. I, th- I think I forget exactly what happened, but but yeah, he he was not thrilled with Pritchard. And then Pritchard came to his post game press conference like, "What do you want me to do?" He was like, "I guess we're I guess we're free balling, but." But we were out there. Do you want me to just not play basketball? <laughs> that was basically his response. Uh, that's not a direct quote, but essentially. And and so it's so funny that, you know, it's a 31-point game against Emey's Rockets with two minutes, 40 seconds left. And Peyton Pritchard throws the alley-oop off the backboard in, in what's – effectively garbage time it cracked me up because you know emay's on the sideline like damn it damn it Peyton. disrespect <laughs> you you did that for me too now you're doing it against me i tried to teach you out of this oh man i thought that was just so funny and again like i'm not saying there's any animosity between those two guys i don't think there is guys they're to my knowledge, has a lot of respect for Ime Odoka. Well, he talked about after the game too, his respect yeah. for him and game greeted him after the game. And that you could they you could actually see them say something to each other, like joking wise after the end of the game. So I wonder if there was a, a jab in there by either side about the, the alley oop play that you just referenced. <laughs> it both it was it was so funny. But it called it called me back to that day. And it was yeah, like Peyton Pritchard, it was a, a terrible season for him from the standpoint of playing time. He was basically out of the rotation, not playing a lot. <laughs> Finally, he has this huge game, and Emay's like, you're not respecting the game, kid. Why are you out there trying to score buckets? Uh, and that's why, and like in this situation, I'm very much like Team Pritchard in terms of that sequence that you described from two years ago. Because it was, it's like, he's had such a tough, not a tough road with the Celtics, but like he's had a lot of obstacles to playing in Boston. And, and that it started kind of that second year with Ime where they made a bunch of trades, but Pritchard had shown during his rookie year that like he could be uh, a reliable, you know, bench contributor. And, but he was buried that season. Ime went in with other, in other directions and the, the front Schroeder office opened, direction, the Dennis Schroeder directions, Josh Richardson directions, some other random, you know, Romeo Lankford, whatever. Um, but then ultimately things opened up for Pritchard when they traded all those guys away. Um, but then, you know, Pritchard had to go through it again last year too. And now this year he's finally established in his role. They realized they probably made mistakes bringing in guys that um, not blocked them, but just like Pritchard could give you comparable production. Um, 
And now, like you said, now it comes full circle with that moment last night. And he, he scored, you know, seven of 10 for the field tonight. He scored double digits in points in three of his last four games. He's been playing really well. And as the season kind of turns here, as they finalize things on the roster, like more and more games like that just look like Peyton Pritchard's going to be, you know, important part of this team, probably important part of this playoff rotation um, in a couple months if he keeps uh, up this standard. Yeah, and he's just kept grinding away through a lot. Like he had a really, really promising rookie season. And like you said, they just blocked him from playing time with their personnel moves over the next two years. He wanted to get traded. You're right. It's just <laughs> it was, trade it was very open about it, even when they were winning a lot of games. And he just wanted a chance to play. And now he's getting that. He's getting a chance to have the ball in his hands more often. He hardly ever commits turnovers. His assist to turnover ratio is top 10 in the league. And he's he's really thriving in this role. And the team is playing great with him on the court which is, you know, what you really want from bench guys. It's, it's not about the points per game. It's not about the even the assist to turnover ratio, but that that keys into winning too. It's about can the team thrive with you on the court? And he's been a great complement so far to the best players on the Celtics, Celtics roster. Yeah, and the entire bench last night, um, Hauser had a rough shooting night, but Pritchard was great. Horford was, I think, very strong defensively per usual in his limited minutes off the bench. And yeah, just again, like the Houston, that's not a before the game that the Celtics were feared by, I think it was like 16. And I was like, wow, that's like a really big number um, against like a, a 500 Houston team. But then you just forget, you know, just nights like this where it's like the, just the talent is so overwhelming. Like and back-to-backs matter too. And back-to-backs, exactly. They get like, they know back-to-backs matter. And we've seen that a lot this week, whether it was, with the Celtics in Milwaukee or, or Houston last night. Um, but it's uh, once the Celtics got going after what was a, a competitive first quarter, it was clearly over by the fourth and, and Joe Mazzulla was able to give plenty of extra rest to the starters there. No one played over 30 minutes. Um, and again, the schedule still is pretty busy for the next couple of weeks. So putting games like this in the holster where you're not playing 35, 40 minutes for the, the starters, that stuff, you know, will we'll add up here and potentially lead to better results for this team as they get through this month. Oh, no doubt. All right. We got time for a little junk here. Maybe I'm going to start with last night. I think in the second quarter, Jay, they had the portrait situation. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter where Luke Cornett drew a portrait of a teammate and <laughs> I believe my esteemed colleague, friend of the show, uh, Suichi Tirada, uh, posted it on Twitter if you haven't checked it out yet or an X. Um, and it was of Porzingis winking. And it may have been the worst drawing I've ever seen in my life. Um, the entire crowd did not have any idea it was Porzingis. But the fact that he had the, the wink there, that was the catch I'll there. tell you what, Luke... when they put it side by side. <laughs> you were, were you defending the Cornette here? Side, yeah. As a man who has no artistic ability, I have to stick up for those who... Uh who can't really draw things. I mean, Luke, keep your day job. That's what I'll say for that. But no, it's, uh, I, I thought that was pretty entertaining there. Um, Rockets wise, Sangoon, I just love Sangoon's game. Like his, just the, the awkward one-handed floaters from like 15 feet that find a way to go in. And you're just watching this. And it looks again, like a, 
like a 35 year old just like trying to like use his tricks to stay in the league but no he's what this is his third nba season here so it's like he's developing into a hell of a player he's a hell of, like fun to watch and i don't know i think he's like maybe the best building block that team has right now is that like where would you kind of put it i think he's easily team? the best building block that team has i think they need to run their offense through him they need to build everything around him he's he's an ecosystem by himself like he he can help other guys get going he's he's just a great talent and obviously not the greatest defender in the world but he's getting much better at that end and yeah i love i love shangun's game elsewhere right now i touched on this a little earlier but i think like the how pissed off the celtics were about those challenges like the out-of-bounds calls like that were missed like joe mazula literally going halfway out of the court, just going his arms to the referee has been like, what the hell? Like why you're making me use my challenge here in the second quarter. Something he desperately does not want to do, but um, it was not a good night for the officials. I think by and large <laughs> last night, but the out of bounds calls were uh, pretty egregious between that one and, and the out one, but the reactions from the Celtics on the bench for, for both of them were highly. Yeah, they, they were funny. <laughs> um. The Pritchard alley-oop you already brought up. We don't need to really rehash that again. That was gold. Um, and yeah, I would say this. One more thing, Jay. 7 o'clock start. We've had a few of them lately at TD Garden. I hope they were full to capacity at 7 o'clock. People getting through traffic. This needs to be the movement. It's like, listen, it's been I a also long love time. That, I also love that I'm such an idiot that everyone texts me that it's a seven <laughs> o'clock game because they know I'll forget. <laughs> I got like three texts yesterday saying that uh, it was a seven o'clock game, just a reminder to me so that I wouldn't show up late. So thank you to, to all the other Celtics writers, Celtics PR people who reached out and let me know. <laughs> Players, coaches. <laughs> and yeah, so that that's what I have on the junk front. Do you have anything from your no? travels oh yeah i was i was stuck in milwaukee i missed last night's game i have no nuggets did go to a milwaukee versus cleveland state basketball game while i was snowed in which was a good time turned out to be a little little horizon league basketball there were like 10 people including (laughs) me me and adam amelsbach so yeah it was it was rough but i i've i finally made it back and uh i'll be back at the next home game baby all right. Well, we'll have a lot coming up this week here on Still Potable. Uh, three game week, some big games, including the Nuggets coming to town on Friday night. So make sure you're checking out, joining us on the Patreon for daily podcast for myself, from Jay King, from Sam Jam Packard. Um, make patreon.com slash still potable. We're really, really building a fun community there. And we'd love to have you guys join us on it for some of the best Celtics analysis and content you'll find anywhere. I want to thank again, Ness for hosting us here on the live stream. Make sure you subscribe here to check us out for the free show on every Monday. Uh, shout out to our sponsor, FanDuel and Factor. And that's it. We'll be back with you guys after Monday night's game against the Raptors here on Still Potable.